Hello, hello everyone, and welcome to the most musical podcast in the world, House of Games. Today, I'm joined by my host, Otto! And for the second week in a row, we're joined by a very special guest who has a keen ear for podcasts, rumors has it, but an even keener ear for music, gaming music, that is, Mr. Nathaniel! But before we dive into the, today's podcast episode, let us hit that play button and enter this week's episode of House of Games. Welcome everyone to, at the time of recording, the newest episode of House of Games. And uh, today we have another special guest with us. So I think as usually with this show, I'll just give him the word and let him introduce himself. So Nathaniel, please tell us, who are you and uh, what do you do? Hi, I'm Nathaniel. I also go by Space Castle and I am a composer focusing on music for video games. Um, I've done a few games recently. The most recent one is one for Sega Genesis called Irena Genesis Metal Fury. So I've just finished that project and I'm currently, I just started on a couple of new ones and I'm also looking for other projects as well. Cool. Sega Genesis? Yes, sir. What? Like the, the old Sega Genesis? Oh yeah, 16 bits. So someone is going to release a game on Sega Genesis? Yes. Wow, <laughs> you heard it. That's yeah, insane. I'm curious how that works. It's happening. Uh, that that would be an interesting uh, another episode. Like, uh, how do you like release for something that you can't even buy it anymore? Right. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh, more about you, Nathaniel. So, could you just uh, give us a, a sort of a helicopter view of yourself? Like, where are you based, and uh, how did you start with like comp- composing music, and how did that lead into games and stuff? So, just give us your your arc. So Absolutely, to speak. for sure. Um, I went to college for piano performance, so I am a classically trained musician. Um, and in doing that, I also played in bands a lot while I was in college. Um, and that's, that's where my main background is as a performer. But as I did that, and as I kind of made my way around in the music industry, I always, I always wondered if I could do it, if I could make music for video games. Um, my favorite types of soundtracks to listen to were, um, 16 bit Super Nintendo games. Uh, I think Gradius. And uh, yeah, Gradius 3 and Super Castlevania 4 were my absolute favorites. So those games, or yeah, those games really inspired me to pursue a career in game audio, specifically with music. So um, as time went on, uh, around 2020, I decided to really launch myself as a composer in the gaming world because, you know, I think that was kind of a thing in 2020 was everybody was like, I'm going to launch this business. The world's about to end. Let's just, let's make it happen. So, (laughs) Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, surprisingly that Sega Genesis project I told you about, Irina, that was one of the first ones that I got picked up for. So, um, yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of where I got here. Yeah. Did you work as a composer before that or was it like the, the, start of going entrepreneur or like self-made so so to speak pretty much i mean i had dabbled with uh songwriting for some bands and i had made music for myself for fun but um yeah it wasn't until i started as a game composer that i really started 
jumping into the world of composing. So I kind of knew what I was doing. I mostly, I mostly had to learn about the industry. You know what I mean? That's where all the, um, that was the trickiest part for me. Interesting. And, uh, as a like classically trained composer, what would you say is like different about game music or is there any difference in, in your opinion? Like, yeah, what is to become like a part of the games industry? What, what does it take? Yeah. Um, you know, being around classical music and studying at a college, you know, spending all that time with your instrument, it's kind of a gift and a curse. The gift is like you understand how music works. So I can, you know, I understand how chord progressions work. I understand how genres work, how I can emulate different composers. And I've got a really strong skill set for all of that. And the, uh, the curse is perfectionism and kind of worrying about worrying about what people think of your music kind of at least at least for me that was the problem so um to to answer your question more simply it's quite different because the music's all about whatever the developer wants it's not about me expressing myself per se it's about me because i mean you guys i mean you guys have made a fair amount of games i've seen and um You've you've got a vision for it. You've got emotions you want the person to experience, and that's where I come in. My job is to help you realize that. So yeah, initially I went into the music really wanting to express myself, but as I've gone on, I, I see how important it is to just be a conduit for emotions. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hmm. I'm curious about this Sega Genesis game again. Like how. How do you make music for that? Isn't that like a MIDI format or something like that? I, I'm not really good with the musical terms, but yeah. there must be some really old software and everything. Or Yes. Um, so for that, for Sega specifically, I'll just give you a little background on the Sega. Um, it ha- It's a 16-bit system, and it has an onboard synthesizer that uses uh, what's called FM synthesis. I'm not going to talk about what FM synthesis is. That's a whole like podcast. But mm. So it's got a synthesizer, and it has the ability to play audio tracks. So recorded audio, it can also do. Very small amounts, but it's capable of doing that. So hmm. that being said, the software that I use, it's called a tracker. And trackers were used on a lot of those 16-bit, 8-bit systems. And a tracker is just... You get a sequence, you get uh, multiple tracks, and on each track, you can control what note is played, what instrument you want to be played, um, how long the note's played for, and uh, what effects you want that note to be. So you're just calling for the system to create sounds, basically. So I use a tracker, and it's called called Deflamask, the one that I'm using. It's like the most modern... I guess up to date tracker software that can be used for old systems. You can you can make stuff on Nintendo with it. You can make stuff on Commodore sixty four, Game Boy. Um, yeah, and it it's it's definitely a throwback to the stuff that they were using back in the day. Cool. When you make made those tracks for the Genesis game, did you make them first, like in a modern software, to just feel it out, and then you sort of tr- 
I don't know, made them again in this old-fashioned software, or did you just go straight to the old-fashioned way and try to make it that way? That's a great question. Um, yes and no. I started yes and then <laughs> no afterwards. Because <laughs> uh, what I realized uh. is with, with the FM synthesis, um, you can create a really kick-ass song, um, just regular old-fashioned audio format, but it, the, the awesomeness of something might necessarily transfer over to the Sega sound. Whereas mm. you can just, if you just compose within Deflamask, within the tracker, you can make something really kick-ass and really awesome. And you can then take that and make it awesome if you were going to go and make a, a regular audio version of that. So I had to learn how to compose in the box, as they say, in Deflamask. Ah. Oh. Interesting. Kinda, you kind of store it yeah. up here a little bit, a little bit more than usual. <laughs> Right, it's like the assembly code of music, perhaps. Sure. I'm just going to agree with you on that, because I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, another thing that I'm uh, curious about uh, regarding music, so uh, we talked a little bit about that when we had the episode with uh, Christopher Eng, which is the one of the composers for It Takes Two. And he said like one of the challenges is like interpreting the the intention oh, yes. of the game developer uh, like for example he did a an example where he had Jurassic Park music is what the guy ordered and then he thought like what he thought was very like quiet and very like I don't know methodical or what you would call it but the composer then got the idea like oh you mean like the main theme like big and bombastic right? Uh, and I can imagine like uh, for you as well that there are like that could be a challenge. So, what would you say is like what is the method to, like both from your perspective, to uh, interpret what what the person wants and how do you get to the the like to be in the same page? And do you have any tips for people who develop games like me, for example, who know nothing about music, but they still have a specific vision of what they want to mm. communicate? Like, yeah. how do you? communicate that effectively to some like a a musician or a composer awesome yeah that's an awesome question i'm glad you asked that so uh the method that's worked for me is i just try and get them to bombard me with music references because i think most guys that make games or most people that make games they've they've got an idea of what they want it to sound like they're it's based off of music that they've already heard or inspired by at least that's that's how it's always been for the people that I've worked for. So I just get as many of those uh, song examples as they can give me, and I'm I just I ask very specifically, like, where do you want this? What what emotion do you want? What's happening? You know, what's happening while this song yeah. is playing? So um, yeah, I start there, and you know, I even go so far as to copy the the instrumentation. I try and recreate what the exact instruments are on a project before I even start recording on it. And I go from there and I will show them a, yeah, I'll make a quick mock-up just be like, Hey, is this kind of what you're looking for? And, uh, you know, before I even compose too, I, I like to speak on the phone with them too, if possible and do a video chat because that really gives them the opportunity to open up and explain you know what they're thinking what they're what they're yeah what they're looking for yeah yeah exactly interesting i I can imagine that's quite a challenge 
just FYI, listeners, I think we lost Rune uh, because of uh, connection problems, but I think we'll just uh, go ahead and we'll see uh, if he joins uh, a little bit later. Uh, interesting. So uh, one thing that I, I th- thought about uh, regarding that, uh, that I don't know if this is like if you would consider it a problem or a risk or if it's like intentionally, but I can imagine that some people, like I've heard, for example, I saw a video with sort of a, I don't know, a roundtable of movie composers where they often face like the issue where they have like the director say something like, oh, I want the music for like Gladiator in my movie, but just change it up a bit so it's not technically like a copyright infringement, uh, something like that. And then uh, you have a lot of movies like sound very samey or it sounds everything sounds like Pirates of the Caribbean, for example. Do you experience anything like that or like how do you think about that, uh, for example? Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a tricky line to walk, you know. Um, and I kind of I haven't really run into that where the person's like, you know, there's there's two things can happen. You can either make the music, well, a couple things can happen. You can make the music so good that it sounds, you know, exactly like the music that you're going for, or um, you can, you know, it's it doesn't sound quite as much as what they're looking for. So you're you're really trying to not. Uh, there's a center line that you're trying not to cross, but I haven't really run into that problem. I've, I've been lucky enough to not have, uh, customers that are too picky. Fortunately. Thank you. Thank you customers. (laughs) But, um, yeah. And I, I would say I'll go, I'll go as far to say is most composers are very worried about that. Very worried about sounding like somebody else. And I think Mm -hmm. composers need to not worry about that so much. Yeah. Because when you study when you study music and you look at music in history, all those old composers copied each other, like mm. blatantly. Right. It's ridiculous. Like it's uh, like uh, Shakespeare, uh, I imagine. Okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, they, they say he copied like loads, like Rome, Romeo and Juliet is like a carbon copy of something else. Uh, but go ahead. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, and um, you know, and you can take take it. Nobody owns the energy of a song nobody owns the structure of a song nobody owns the instrumentation of a song or like the flow of a song so like you can you can 100% take those ideas and rip those off and like you're not going to get in trouble there's nothing wrong with that yeah. you know what i mean mm. once you get into chord progressions and melodies and stuff that's where you got to be careful but um you know it you can learn a lot as a composer by like really getting close to something but not not making yeah. it again you know what i mean mm. it's just kind of it's what you can what you can live with <laughs> uh and what yeah, the yeah. what the dev likes and uh what you find you know to be morally ethical and not get yourself in trouble <laughs> yeah i think it's yeah. the same with just making games as well it's like every game is inspired by another game in one way or another uh i read some something about some leak the other day from insomniac and then i saw some comments and they went like it sucks that the gaming industry is so secretive about everything. And I left a comment and I wrote like, well, I think maybe one of the reasons there's so much secrecy around game development is because it's sort of like everything is done, made already. So when you want to make a game that sticks out, you're borrowing from a lot of other games, but you sort of 
add a little bit of flavor that makes yours unique from all the thousands of games that are out there. And I can imagine that's why it's secret. But my point is that I, I think it's the same in even when you make games. I mean, all my games I've done, I borrow ideas from other games and I just combine them in a different way. Uh, and of course, when you play my games, it, it, it will remind you of another game. Maybe I didn't have that in mind when I made my game. Because I might think, well, this should remind you of Resident Evil, but you play my game and you think it reminds you of some game that I have never even played. So I assume it's similar when you make music. Like you said, you shouldn't maybe think too much about... You shouldn't worry too much that your music might sound like something else. Because truth be told, like sometimes it might sound like something else, but you have never actually heard that something else. So it's like, how the hell do you make music that doesn't remind about anything someone will always listen to your stuff and think it reminds them of something else. So oh, it must yeah. be impossible to make something completely unique. And oh, and yeah. Uh, yeah. But through all of that, I, I guess uh, you will find your style. That's why one of my fr- composing friends says, like, you, you try to find your own style, but I think even that style must be inspired by someone else's style. or Yeah, music. absolutely. And it's like, as a composer, you kind of want to decide do you want to do it kind of how I do it where I, I kind of, where I'm really trying to find that happy place with the dev or am I going to be the composer? That's like, I'm just going out, I'm going to make whatever cool stuff I want to make. And then if people want to hire me, they'll hire me to make that. Mm. You know what I mean? And there's people out there to do that. You know, there's nothing, Mm. there's nothing wrong with doing either of those paths. Do you think, uh, since you started working with this and working with developers, have you like, how do you take feedback? Do you think that's tough? It it can be, yeah. Um, yeah, especially if I slave away on a week for a track and then the first mm-hmm. thing a dev says to me is just like suggestions instead of being like, good job, you know, like, I'm not going to mm-hmm. lie, kind of kind of hurts my little ego a little bit, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But um, I, as I've done it more and more, I've distanced my ego and myself away from what I make, you know? I, I kind of think of myself as just a dude that makes furniture for people you know what i mean Mm. some people like their ikea furniture some people like their fancy ornate whatever furniture um Mm. my my general strategy is whenever i'm showing somebody something they've hired me to make is i'll post it i'll show it to them and then i Mm. will not look at the feedback for a 24 to 48 hour period both because Ah. the dev sometimes they're so involved with their game that they want to fire back uh, a response right away because it's like it just kind of hits them a certain way. But if I kind of let them sit with the song and kind of let them get used to it for, you know, a day, hmm. that that Discord chat, like, I get, you know, you get those notifications and you can kind of see what they say. Hmm. And, then, and then two days later when I actually open it up to respond, it's completely hmm. different than what they said initially. They, like, they change the mind, right. you know what I mean? So, yeah, just give it a little... If, if you've got time... You know, if you've got that much time to wait a day or two, then I would I would highly advise doing that. <laughs> hmm. Cool, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, well, I can imagine since, you know, music is such a emotional thing that it takes a while for it to sort of get the feeling if this fits or not and, you know, what needs to be updated or what it might be. Cool. Yes. Uh, something else that is sort of a like a tangent question, but... Do you compose mostly for gameplay, or do you also do music for like cutscenes and stuff like that? The you know the closest thing I've done for cutscenes is trailers. Um, I've done a right. couple of trailers, um, but mostly 
mostly it's gameplay. Hmm. Right. Um, okay. I, I, like, I think. Uh, go yeah. Ahead. Go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I was just saying, like, I like I like doing the trailer stuff. I like doing the the cutscene stuff. I, I definitely want to do more of that. Hmm. Yeah. So I think my question also applies to cutscenes. So my question was like, say for example, in cutscenes and in this case trailers, you can make music and you can make footage and video and stuff. Do you make the music to fit like how the video looks or do you make the video and then fit the music to fit the beats of uh you know uh, which way do you do it first yeah a follow up to that do you usually get the trailer first to make music for it or do they just ask for music and they make the trailer based on the music that's a good question and i think it's either or um the situations i've been in was make the music and then the editor puts it to the music so that's right. the situation I've been in, but I think it's I think it's either or. Hmm. Um, I want to imagine. I know for like movies and stuff, I think the editor cuts it first, but uh, I don't know. Don't quote me on that. I think it's I think it's hmm. either or. I think it's a fifty fifty situation. Hmm. Right. Right. Interesting. And uh, like for trailer music, how do what what should you aim for? Like, I imagine that a lot of games do, like, very upbeat or something like that, but it's hard to, like, convey, like, the sense of the game in, like, just a short while. Mm-hmm. Um, so I imagine that you perhaps want to, or do you want to, like, match the trailer music with, like, the, like, musical identity of the rest of the game, or do you want to do it, like, completely separately? Yeah, um, if you know, if you're in contact with the editor, I think kind of hashing that out with the video editor is going to help. You know, they'll have an idea of what you're capable of and like what he can, what he or she can, uh, you know, can work with. Um, fortunately, I haven't had to really craft it or structure it uh, in a in a very complex way. Um, the last one I did was for Irina, and they were like, "Make a thrash metal song." We're gonna use it for the trailer. I was like, sick. So I just like made a thrash metal. Nice. Song. <laughs> <It was awesome. laughs> um, yeah. So I haven't made a very uh, detailed one. You know, with like, you know, lots of emotion changes and like drop offs and all that stuff. You know that you would see, but, mm. um, yeah. I I would like you know I would definitely like to make it to a pre cut video. But I don't know. I don't know if video editors are are comfortable with doing that. You know, if I was a video editor, right. I would want I would want to make it uh, like give me a song, give me three moments where there's build ups, and then like a big build up at the end, and then I would craft the I would edit to that. So hmm. yeah, you know, I, I gotta ask. Uh, I grew up listening to Slayer, and I thought it was called trash metal. Is it not the same as? Th- what did you say? Thrash? No? That's awesome. <laughs> it is not. Uh, it is thrash. Thrash? Okay. I T-H thought my whole life is called thrash metal. metal. That's awesome. <laughs> All right. But that's what you meant, right? I mean, yes. that's what you would call. All right, cool, cool. Yes, sir. Thrash. All right. Learn something today. <laughs> so just, just Very blame nice. It, just blame it on your, your accent, dude. You're good. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Thrash metal, uh, right? I'm uh, curious also about. Uh, so, could you tell us more about like what kind of like video game music inspires you, or what would you 
like to aspire to. Like if you have a dream project, like I would love to work on the blah 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 games or something mm-hmm. like that. What what would you like to do? So I always loved um kinda like I said before, Gradius three and Super Castlevania four. Super Castlevania four is this just freaking masterpiece of mm. fusion. Uh being jazz uh rock and classical music. It's it's a fusion's a really difficult style to make convincing. It usually mm. sounds cheesy and like overcomplicated and weird, but um I forgot the I forgot the gentleman's name that wrote the music for that game, but it, I just I I just listened to it. Like it's I unironically listened to that soundtrack. Um and that's what that's what got me started. That's what I wanted to play, you know, make music for platformers, for shoot 'em ups, just kind of that action packed fast-paced super catchy stuff that's Hmm. just that's my bread and butter that's what i love to make um as far as what i aspire to get to i want to do much more orchestral stuff i've got everything i need at my disposal to make orchestral music um i made a kind of a metal slash classical orchestral soundtrack a couple years ago for a guy um, I don't know if he's ever going to make his game though, but I, I loved, I loved making that. So I'd like to, I'd like to do something like that. Something that's a little more detailed, a little more, uh, you know, moody has different emotions to convey a little more complex. Mm. I think I would, mm. I would love to do something like that. But on your website, uh, one of the games you have made, it's similar to Gradius three, uh, right? Yeah. That's the, that's my Sega Genesis game. That's Irene. All ah, right. Well, I must have felt quite cool though to make a quite similar uh, yeah. soundtrack for a uh, cool. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, mm. it's been great working on yeah, that guy. Yeah, and uh, I'm curious also about uh, music because to me, who has not really released a full game yet, uh, uh, I'm looking at you with envy, Rune. Uh, but <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, I have ideas and and things I'm working on. Uh, so someday it would be great to have like release something and music is a big part of that so would you say like if you want to get started with game development to hire somebody like you to make music is it like that you have to have like a big budget for it or is it possible to get something out of like what you could spare from a day job and doing something on the side or what would be your take on on that yeah well there's a whole lot of composers out there and they're they're all really they're all really willing to take kind of crappy deals to get in on games so Mm. (laughs) um but the uh you know my professional answer is yes you should absolutely have a budget ready to go to pay somebody you know for what they're worth um and you know all the good composers out there they're gonna have a fee you know, the, the good people that are going to give you some quality, you know, they're going to charge you for it. Um, um, that being said, I would, the, the two things that I find that, that I've seen, at least in the indie game world that devs kind of tend to overlook is the music side of things, which I don't, I don't necessarily blame them for it. Um, so not having a budget for music and not having a budget for marketing. So I think if I'm if I'm a dev and I'm I'm allocating my hard-earned money to where I need it the most, I would put as much as I could into marketing way before I hire a composer. 
You know what I mean? Right. Um, a, a composer can just come in and tie everything together at the end. And I think as yeah. long as you're working with reference music that you find inspiring, that you love, I think you're good. But mm-hmm. I mean, if you really, if you really want the whole thing to be a team effort and to, you know, have a, have a team feel through the whole thing, then yeah, if you got, if you got the cash, get a composer in there, at least get a guy that you like, that you, you kind of want to lock down or a person mm-hmm. that you like and lock them down for like one song, you know, commission one song, mm-hmm. like and see if yeah. it's going to work, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, and uh, like one song, what are we talking about here? Like, or is that something like, say that you do, I don't know, let's uh, let's pretend that you have a game jam and you just want to like make it the best song ever and then you want to like commission one song for a weekend uh, project, for example. Is that something like astronomical or could you get away with cheap, let's say? <laughs> uh depends on your composer depends on the type of music uh if it's like orchestral music that's going to take the longest to create at least for me um yeah you know i would say you know right now i'm I'm a little hesitant to give my rates on your podcast (laughs) yeah of course of course that's not what i'm i'm uh, after either uh you know i'd say uh, if you want two minutes if you want two minutes be prepared be prepared to spend a couple hundred American dollars. Yeah. Be prepared for that. Yeah. That'll go a long way in terms of quality and getting a good person, getting, you know, a professional person. Yeah. And uh, on that topic that, uh, that you mentioned, so would you say that there's certain music that's, I mean, you alluded to that as I understood, but like, uh, certain music, I assume, is more complicated and uh, it's a whole other thing than doing certain type of music. So, is there a scale like where you can do like here is like the the bare minimum? Doing this song takes like one hour and it's super simple, blah 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 blah. And then you have maybe at the end orchestral music or something like that. It's like a huge product project and you need this mu- amount of time and whatever. So, what would you uh, say about that? Yeah. I'd say that the pros, the guy, the people that are good at what they're doing as far as making music have that all mapped out. You know what I mean? I'm still working on that, but um, my problem is I, I get I get too carried away with songs. Like if 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 somebody can pay me for an hour of time, I'm not going to spend an hour on a song. I'm going to spend like eight hours on it and make it sound super <laughs> cool and awesome because my name's on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, like, it's really hard. It's hard to make myself. I should I should be better about that. You know what I mean? But um, yeah. yeah, for me, it's like the cheap the cheap cheap music that i can crank out really fast and get you good product is like electronic stuff just any type of edm uh you know right. dubstep synthwave any of that stuff like i can really i can hammer that stuff out pretty quick and then uh yeah at the top end the the most difficult stuff is the orchestral any anything I, where i have to physically play an instrument like funk mm. you know jazz where i got to yeah. like write solos and all that stuff or chiptune psychogenesis that takes forever right. oh. takes me forever at least when, when do you feel like you get the inspiration in the middle of the night or in the morning or like if if i if you get a, a gig from someone and they want one song for example do you just go to the computer and start messing around or do you sort of wait for it to just come to your mind naturally 
Um, at this point, I, I trust myself in my ability to create stuff. I don't really wait for, um, I don't really wait for inspiration to strike. I just pretty much start working right away. Um, whenever I can, I have other jobs that I do too on the side, so I don't have all hours of the day to work on music, which is actually pretty nice. But, um, yeah, usually I just go in and kind of like I stated before, I listen to their references. I get I just try to really try to take the time to establish what they want, really understand what they want, set up my project. So I've got the instruments that they, you know, that they're interested in, Mm. um, and I just kind of try and match the energy of a song or two and just play around with different ideas. And I just tried to think about it too much. You know what I mean? Like mm. I used to, I used to fixate on that whole, like I got to start working when I, when the music's playing in my head and it's just, it's just so random. Honestly, I do know, I do know exactly when the music starts playing in my head. It's when I'm about to fall asleep, but I'm not asleep yet. It's like there's a radio mm. pl- there's a radio just like playing. I'm in this like yeah. weird radio station. I don't know, but mm. it's just like you know, I'm just too lazy to get out of bed, you know, to like <laughs> do anything about mm. it. But uh mm. yeah, it's always in that state of mind where the actual ideas are coming. But if I sit down and just work on the computer and just, you know, just trust my instincts and just put my hands to work, you know, I make I make good stuff as far at least as far as I'm concerned. I think I do cool. All right. Hmm. Uh, I would say it's like uh, funny because that's the same thing for me, but with programming. So if there's like some problem that I'm facing or I don't know how to build a solution. And then like, as you say, like when you're going to sleep and you're almost asleep, but you are sort of conscious still, that's when the sort of solution comes to me like, oh, I should do like do it like this. And then I usually get up and write it down just so I don't forget. That's awesome. Uh, interesting. Very. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of want to going for a walk helps. Yeah, yeah. Any like mm. menial mm. random task definitely helps for me. Like I've been mm. at jujitsu. Well, I used to train jujitsu a lot, and like I'd be in the middle of oh, like cool. trying to choke somebody, and all of a sudden I have an idea. I'm like, <laughs> this is not convenient. <laughs> but, um, what I was gonna say, um, they have those they have those brainwave scanners you can buy. They're actually kind of cheap on Amazon these days. I think you get one for a couple hundred bucks. I've wanted to try one and see if I can't like mm. put myself in that sleep state while i'm sitting in front of my computer i don't know i don't know if i can do it ah cool <laughs> well speaking of coming up with ideas while you're sleeping or about to sleep one time i came up with a song uh, an idea for a song i wanted it in knife boy the first game i made and it was while i was out bicycling and camping while biking uh and i woke up in the middle of the night because i had this dream about this amazing song and then i wrote it down in my notebook of course i i don't know how to write notes or anything Woke up the next day and I checked my notes because I remember I wrote it down. And all it says, ding, ding, dong, dong, ding, ding. And with arrows up and down. And I was like, what the fuck was I thinking? <laughs> like, how am I supposed to remember that? It's so, so I should have recorded myself like singing into the phone or something. I mean, it made no sense. That, even if you do that, sometimes you can't get it. You know, even if you sing it to the phone, you listen to it a couple of days later. You're like, what <laughs> was that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that's interesting with... Um, this feel of work when uh, art and all that, when the ideas pop into your mind and all that. It's, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. More artists just need to look at it as a job and kind of, kind of let go of the fancy full art thing a little mm-hmm. bit. It's hard for a lot of people. It's hard for people to, I don't know. 
it, it's kind of like letting go of the magic of something, you know what I mean? Almost like letting go of childhood, but like, I don't know. It's yeah. still there. You can still make really amazing, cool stuff. Mm. Well, I agree with that. Yeah. <gasps> One thing I do, because I do, well, now I don't do the music anymore, but everything else is that when I don't feel like doing programming i do the art stuff and vice versa or the animations and stuff like that so i if i don't feel inspired inspired to do art for example i would just work on the programming stuff because that's more i wouldn't say it's more mundane but it's more like problem solving it feels like i'm using a different part of my brain and then when i feel like i really want to do the art stuff like drawings and stuff i do that so it's quite nice to jump back and forth between different things and like you said you have a different job on the side i think that's quite healthy too for your mind and and uh, and all that so yeah, that's, uh, you can't you can't just sit and do the same thing over and over again i mean you can mm. but it's not healthy you know what i mean mm. yeah yeah i gotcha and uh like uh, optimally if you could like um, have a project and uh, run it like the whole game project to suit like the the optimal creation of music like how would you do it like where does music come in so is it like either in the idea stage like oh i have this idea to do a medieval whatever and then you like think of the music and then adapt some of the gameplay to that or do you like add music at the end or is it like somewhere in between or how would you like what makes the the optimal work environment for music in that context i think I just want the most complete game possible that I can just lay stuff down on. Um, mm. Yeah. A big a big thing that I never really did before, but I recently did with Irina um, when I was uh, creating the sound effects for it is... Uh, what's the... Yeah, when I was doing the sound effects, I realized that some of the songs didn't quite fit the gameplay as, as well as I hoped that they would. So I, mm. I ended up recreating a song, but I, as I was creating the piece, I played the game with the music, which I never really did before. Yeah, I mean, that sounds kind of weird that I didn't do that before, but um, if you can put yourself in a position where during the implementation process, or you're kind of combining implementation with composing so that you mm. can really see if you're matching the vibe of the gameplay, you know what I mean? Because you can make a song that works, that sounds good, but like you still need to really make sure that it works with the gameplay. It's, mm. uh, I don't know. It's, it's like something about the kinesthetic connection with the game that, that it, it, it demands something a little extra from the music. I'm not quite sure mm, how to yeah. explain that better, but yeah. So I would have a game pretty much finished where the art is not going to change. Cause I love looking at the art, you know, to, to be inspired by that stuff. And, uh, yeah kind of write write the music and test it out be able to uh you know compile the game on my end and play around with it mm. yeah when uh, you did I the... have a... yeah go ahead Rune. i was just curious with the sound effects how, how does that work do they have a list of sound effects they want and then screenshots so you can see for example in this uh, spaceship game like you can see the actual screenshot of the power up you're using or the gun you're using do you have any visual uh, references while you make the sound effects yes um the when i when i came on irena uh they had a demo 
they had already released their very first demo. So, and it's it's pretty easy to implement the the sounds into the game. So uh, I was able to play it and just kind of see what everything looked like. And uh, they they're very they weren't very specific on what types of sound they wanted. They're just like just make it sound like a cool shoot 'em up game. You know what I mean? Hmm. So I referenced sounds from a number of games and not necessarily shoot 'em ups just playing around with different vibes of power up sounds and stuff like that. And, uh, that's a, that's what a sound designer does. And I'm not, that's not like really what I do. It's just kind of back then when I started working on it, I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll do sound effects too. And, um, I can, I can do a bit of sound design. I'm not too bad at it, but, um, yeah, wasn't that big of a deal. Just, uh, created some sounds, bounced them down to, uh, bounced, uh, rendered, rendered the sound effect to a wave file, teeny tiny wave files able to drop it in the game just test it out and see if it worked see if it you know felt felt good that's kind of yeah mm. for those shoot 'em up games it's about like how good things feel i guess when you hear it mm. I don't know. yeah uh i have sort of a two-part question uh so part one to this is so the when la- i think last time we talked with a composer was the composer for uh it takes two so uh, one of the things that he's working on is uh, this sound engine where you can like programmatically change the music according to the gameplay so i'm not sure how exactly it looks but imagine that you can for example like when more enemies come into the game or when there's something exciting that happens then you can like programmatically like change the music like change the tempo or change something so that it and like automatically loop it and stuff so uh like uh, it sounds so natural it sounds like it's been composed for every like uh, moment instead of like pre-made music so uh like uh out of part one then question a have you worked with anything like that uh would you be interested in working with something like that and what's your like take on that versus like making a like pre-made song and then fitting it to the gameplay yeah, that's really cool. Um, yeah, I'd have to look at kind of what he's doing because, you know, that's that's what's known as dynamic music, music that changes based off of the gameplay. Um, and the only type of dynamic music I've played around with was very, very simple situation where, yeah, um, I think either either you you take damage and then the music changes or you get you get an item and the music changes. I forgot what it was, but it was a very, it was a very simple one where track A is playing a song's playing. And then this event happens and then more music comes in on top of the original song. So very simple, very basic, but you can, you can really do a lot with that, especially once you get into the, you know, the nicer game engines. Um, there's, we, uh, sound designers typically, do that type of work and they impl- uh it's called implementation audio implementation and they'll use software like wise or uh fmod to achieve effects like that and you can be quite detailed with uh situations that will change the way music plays you can trigger different music you can do all kinds of different stuff within those programs so they're super versatile with that so i'd be really interested to see what this jo- uh this individual has created but to answer your question yeah i definitely want to do some stuff like that i haven't done very much of that i'm talking with a guy right now who needs that so hopefully hopefully things pan out 
Mm, cool. cool, cool. Well, uh, let me know if you need uh, connections with the, the guy who, who does that. So I'll hook you up. Thank you. Um, yeah. Um, what else? Oh, part two to this question then is uh, we've asked this question to a lot of people on this podcast. But so like uh, looking forward, we have uh, AI. So do you see that as a like a threat where it's going to just replace a bunch of composer or do you see it like as a tool where oh now for example I can do like a loop music automatically and then I don't have to spend loads of time on that and then I can just focus more on the the actual creative stuff I want to do and not the mundane stuff or yeah. what's your take on that related to your role yeah it's you know it's hard for it not to be scary to think about the the tools that are coming out that are ai powered are pretty amazing um there's one that i wasn't aware of where you can load up different vocalists into your project and you can re- i think you can record your own self singing put it through this thing and then you'll get rihanna singing you know Huh. <laughs> near near identically it's like wow that's amazing so i think th- i think having those types of tools at your disposal is pretty amazing as far as it replacing me you know replacing content creators i don't know i mean it keeps getting better you know what i mean mm. right now it's at a place where you can put you can just have the ai create music whatever music you want brand new stuff you can load up whatever artists you want and it'll do it problem mm. is it sounds a little little not so convincing right now and you would have to hire somebody like me to go in and fix it and like adjust it Mm -hmm. so yeah um but i i got to imagine that that's gonna just keep improving and keep improving Mm, over the years so it's definitely a hot topic and i think i would like to think that people would prefer to pay for you know human made products and mm-hmm. there might be there might be some sort of like certification you can create, you know what I mean? Where like yeah. mm. this game was made by humans, hundred percent. It went through the it went through the AI mm. detector, and that's what you're that's right. what you're paying for. You know what I mean? Maybe yeah. something like that's gonna pop up, but I don't know. There might be some there might be some crazy legislation that gets passed regarding this thing. Like I don't know. I don't know, man. Honestly, yeah. I don't know. It kind of freaks me out. <laughs> mm. I was so, actually going to uh, ask the same question, Otto, and I was going to yeah. reference your website. You said you write there, you could, however, use AI to write music, but you might miss the mark of consistency and nuance. And consistency is something that I talked to you about, Otto. I wanted to lay like the UI pictures in my game. Like I can do them myself, but it's going to take forever. So I tried to make AI make them, but it's just not there man it's just if i ask him to make like uh, well make a detective when he's happy sad angry crying he can do that all in one sprite and he looks quite similar in everyone in each one of these uh, emotional states and then i say okay now make a, a blonde girl with blue eyes in a red dress same expressions and it's just completely different style hmm. so right. so it's impossible to use it because it's just not consistent enough and I can imagine that the same thing, well, as you write on your website, I, by the way, I like your, your selling pitch on your website. It's very cocky and straight to the point, which is uh, confident, and I like that. Thank you. Uh, but I can imagine it's the same about music. Like, it, it's not consistent at all, so what's the point of... I mean, it would be just f- so weird to play an entire game, and, like, every track feels like yeah, just a 
no consistency or anything. So I can imagine it's still some time. Some it, we might get there one day, but at yeah. the moment I feel like it's not there yet. And you know, I could I could see the AI kind of turning the the content creation of AI just turns into like you you pull up your Netflix, you pull up your air your uh, your Amazon one day, and you just like click the AI button, like just make me a movie right now. And then you just mm. do that and you watch that or make me a song. And you've just got this cool little thing that you can play around with. And like, that's what AI is as opposed mm, yeah. to this thing that people are using for content creation. I don't know. Mm. But yeah. I also like the idea of uh, this is hundred percent made by humans. It kind of reminds me of these eco-friendly products you can buy in a supermarket or organic stuff. Uh, once when those things came out back in the day, I don't know, 15 years ago, they were really expensive, but you knew what you were buying. You were buying products that were organically or locally grown, and thus the price instead of some cheap import or something like that. Yeah, so, exactly. Uh, so I can imagine the same is going to happen uh, with the music or games in general, 100% made by humans, and that's what you pay for. Uh, but just like with eco-friendly products or uh, what do you call it? Uh, yeah what i said organic i, I suppose organic product yeah only like the, the sort of rich slash people are more well off can buy them first because of course like my parents for example always wanted the the best for us but it was just no way they're gonna buy it like fuck are you kidding me twice oh, yeah. the price from some eggs no way i buy this <laughs> crap from south of europe or something instead and then feed our kids that but Eventually, now, for example, in Sweden, I, there's almost no difference between the eco-friendly stuff and the the mass-produced stuff because wow. it's just over time growing, and it's so popular at this point that most people just buy the eco-friendly stuff or yeah. ecological. Yeah. I think so, I think there's always going to be a market for it, and you know we're emotional beings, and uh, that's how you sell people stuff is to fire up their emotions. So you know, uh, be lots yeah. of lots of sales campaigns coming they're like it's us versus them whose team are you on mm. <laughs> yeah. Mm. yeah so uh, yeah a I, question I on about that. so yeah go ahead run if you i use one quick like because uh, for game developers that's also a problem with these asset flips like uh, game developers buy or free assets from the unity or unreal store make games and release it it's just like asset flip after asset flip now imagine on top of that ai generated games uh, it's just gonna be uh, a lot of games, and I reckon I, I truly believe that the human touch is still gonna stick out. But I also believe that a lot of cheap gamers or you know young kids who don't have money to spend twenty, thirty, forty dollars on a game, they're gonna go for those cheaper options. But I do hope uh, it will be cool to have that sort of stamp. Uh, I was always thinking like, uh, you know, with Nintendo games, what's so amazing within Nintendo games is like the sort of Nintendo stamp of approval. These right. games are good and here in japan they still do commercials for like mario odyssey which is one of the first games on a nintendo switch it's still on tv a commercial for that old game in western countries it's like one week and they will they want to squeeze as much sales as possible out of that game for the first week and then it's gone but you know with nintendo products they never drop in price so it's sort of like this this quality thing and i was always thinking that would be cool to have something like i was thinking like in the fortress stamp so Imagine like games that are not made with asset flips. This is before the AI generation. I start thinking about this, but now we can keep that into this equation. Like games that are made by humans and not using asset flips, for example, they will have this sort of stamp of approval, like the in the fortress of uh, approval or something. 
and they would be even cooler if you go, for example, to the PlayStation Store, Xbox Store, Nintendo Shop, and they have like a proper sort of in the section there, and you can sort of click on this stamp of approval for indie games that don't use AI, and then you have all those options there, so they, so they don't blend with all these AI-generated bullshit. Yeah, I don't know. That was no question. I was just wanted to rant a little bit about what I hope is going to happen if, yeah, if like AI that. becomes too. I'm going I'm to be in the fortress much. as much as I can. Yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> do those games do good? Do people when they do those asset flips? Do, they, do those games like ever do good? I don't know, but I feel like I think one. I know some of the games are they they release them like every week, and it's just like. Uh, huh. What do you call that? Uh, low quality, high quantity thing, yeah. whatever. And they do quantity these 99% discounts, so they come up to yeah. the number one spot, yeah. and people just like buy I imagine, them because it's just one dollar. Like, it might be like the uh, auto-generated uh, YouTube videos. Like, for example, there are these huge libraries of like how to pronounce words, like according to the dictionary, and then people mm. just. Like pull all of that data and then upload one, uh, like or it could be like a hundred videos per day, and that's just how to pronounce blah blah blah. Because then when you Google how to pronounce, then you'll get that video, and it mm. might not be a lot per video, but you know if you get like one or two views per video and you got ten thousand videos and every one of those might display an ad, then all of a sudden you got like a steady income from doing not very much. Mm. So I imagine that it might be the same with asset flip games like you might release like 20 games in a year and maybe none of those do well but if like you display ads or there's like you know a couple of dollars per game then all of a sudden you get a little bit of money i suppose mm. interesting yeah but uh i have uh, the the question about uh, like ai and uh, it overtaken and stuff so imagine this that you get a cli- client who want to do some sort of a hybrid approach like they say we want to have ai music in our game but we know nothing about music so uh, could you be like the the captain for the ai product project so just generate music with ai fix it up if it needs to be fixed and then uh, you know deliver that would you consider doing anything like that or would you like draw a line in the sand like where you say I'm only producing my own music and I'm not leveraging AI for example that's a really good question um I want to say that I would be the guy that's like hell no I'm not doing that but (laughs) uh I would I would charge the I would just charge the shit out of them like I would do my full (laughs) full rate you know what I mean like full intense rate and I get credit for the music I own all the music yeah Boom, mm. there we go yeah. I would do that well I don't even know if I could do that I don't know May I would I would mm. I would have to benefit immensely from doing something like that yeah let's put it that way mm. yeah uh, oh yeah I, I thought about another question related to that actually so I've heard uh, I think you Rune actually mentioned this uh, at some point in on this podcast but like I've heard game developers say something like like the best way to do handle music in your game is that you buy the rights to the music like as a one-off. There's no royalties, there's nothing. You're just done, you've bought the music and you can use it however you like. 
So then what is your perspective as a composer with that? Because I imagine that the better deal might be to get royalties for using the music and then retaining those rights rather than selling it off to somebody else. So what would be your take and how do you think about it with projects? Yeah, um, I look at their marketing campaign. I look at their marketing capabilities. Um if they, you know, if they don't have a lot of money, but they're going to give me all the royalties, I would like for them to have an awesome marketing campaign going on, marketing capabilities. And, uh, you know, generally the people that buy you out are going to have money to spend. And right now, right now, I'm, it's kind of situation dependent for me. I'm not... I haven't decided exactly how I want ownership of my music. I just kind of go with what devs can can give me these yeah. days. Uh. So I'm I'm kind of like half my products are I've got a bunch of royalties. I've got most of the rights to the music and half of them it's like I just sold it. I just sold it. I don't care it's gone, you yeah. know. So uh. um Yeah. You know, the the big, you know, if if a triple A game developer contracts out a composer they are not going to give them the rights to the music at all but they're going to pay you a lot so it's like mm. you know yeah you you just you, you take what you can get you make the best out of it and it's usually pretty good money do you know what i mean yeah or just try and get a and, couple percentage yeah. points in the contract be like give me one percent come on do it you know mm. <laughs> so i don't know yeah <laughs> Uh, like something that I've thought about, I don't know if this might be a question for a lawyer or somebody who knows the legal stuff, but something like if I could dream a little bit how I would like to do it, uh, would be fun to do, like you do a game and you buy the music, like all of the rights to use it, like however I want, I can reuse it and I can post it and whatever it is, but I still, like I don't buy the rights to it, like I buy like a perpetual lifetime license to use this music forever but then the composer still keeps the rights so they can still sell the music and whatever it's mm. just a license to use it forever in my game mm-hmm. uh, I think that would be a really nice way to do it because then you can like sort of you know you have the music for the game but the mm. the musician doesn't get screwed and then never get to like uh, do anything with the music that they've created, like the art that they've created. Hmm. Uh, I, yeah. I don't know if there's a question uh, in that, but that's <laughs> like. Well, let, how, let me tell you, like that's that's not uncommon. Um, in fact, my my standard contract that I give to people when they they're going to give me the rights, I I grant them rights to the music. They can use it for promotional purposes. They can use it for the game. They can you know advertise their game. You know. Throw, throw me a little credit here and there but like that's that's standard i always give devs that when i have the rights to the music they can mm. they can use it for stuff they just can't sell it you know what i mean mm. cool yeah that's a good cool. approach i think my deal with my composer is that i own everything but i never thought about that approach but i would say we, we i would like to change it to that then the only reason i wanted to own everything is only because i'm a in the dev with i mean i'm alone and i all I told them at the meeting was I don't want to pay royalties because that means I would have to sit and like keep track on shit. Like just sitting in this meeting and writing this contract is like the last thing I want to do because I'm not a businessman. I'm just a game developer. 
So I said, if we're going to do this, I want everything. So I don't have to deal with anything. But what you said there, Odell, I think that's a, that's probably even better. Uh, so I'm going to tell him that that once this is all done, when we actually sign the contract and all that, we, we're going to include that so that he can keep it, all his rights and it's his music. I, I don't really want to take that away from him. All yeah. I want to do is avoid paperwork and avoid some sort of a once a year thing where we have to go over the numbers how much did they sell how much they owe you all of that i do that with my publisher now and it's just a nightmare every year or my my previous publisher like every year i'm just having this feeling in my guts like oh now we have to do this <laughs> where we compare to how much it's sold yeah. and how much she owes oh i hate all of that yeah and i think a lot of small developers like you said before the worst uh, the small developers like Odo and i we suck at the music part and marketing and i totally agree with that and and I would say this, the whole business part of making indie games or having an indie studio, that, that's something I don't like at all. So as an indie developer, all I'm thinking about is what, whatever makes it easy for me so I don't have to deal with the paperwork. But that was actually a good... Uh, uh, I didn't, never thought about that yeah. when we sat there at the meeting, but I w- I'm going to bring that up so they can own all the music, of course, because cool. well, I, I don't want to well, own that. Yeah. I'm just going to say that uh, I'm not a lawyer and this is not legal advice. So uh, if anyone else hears this, uh, speak to a lawyer first. Uh, I heard you say and I believe it's true. And now (laughs) if I get screwed, it's your fault. It's true. I believe it too. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Interesting. Yeah, I think um, unless you have more questions, Rune, uh, I think we should uh, start wrapping it up uh, since we are a bit over an hour. Uh, What do you say? Yeah, I uh, my last one was the AI stuff, and we went over that. Uh, so I'm I'm satisfied. Cool, and uh, I think uh, Nathaniel, before I let you go, I will let you promote uh, anything you wish. Just uh, tell us uh, where to send our listeners. Where can they find out more about you? Hear your music, uh, and uh, you know uh, how can they hire you? Uh, anything yeah. you like, just uh, fire away. Tell you what, I am open for business. Go to space. Cool. Ca- go to spacecastle.pro. Find me. Nice. Read read all my amazing copy that I wrote on my website, and push the little button at the bottom that sends me an email, and you can hire me. And I'm really good at making awesome music. Um, you can check out some of my work on Bandcamp, spacecastle.bandcamp.com. I've got some music up there. I'm kind of behind on uploading some of my soundtrack stuff. So um, if you really want to see like the latest stuff I've worked on, uh, check me out on Instagram at True Space Castle. You can re- you can get a feel for like the newer stuff I've been working on on there. So cool. That's where I'm at. Very cool. Yeah, very nice. And uh, it was uh, an amazing episode. I think. Uh, Thank you so much for getting up in the middle of the night to do this episode since you are in the US. Uh, much appreciated. Yeah, absolutely. And when Thank we hang you. up, I'm... don't hang up, by the way. Don't run to bed. We need to wait for this recording to upload. Yeah, Got yeah, it. exactly. Got it. Uh, yeah, and um, uh, beyond that, I uh, hope everyone who listens to this uh, liked this episode. Um, if anyone... Is, uh, if anyone out there is a either a like sound designer or a like games lawyer or something, that would be fun to have as a uh, future episodes. Uh, just a lot of questions that would be be fun to ask about that mm. as well. 
Uh, yeah, I think that will do it. So uh, thank you so much, uh, Rune, for being my amazing co-host. Thank Arigato. you, Nathaniel, for being an amazing guest. You are most welcome back for another episode anytime. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, yeah, I think, uh, as I said, that'll do it. We'll uh, see you next week and uh, have a good one. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.